Blog Talk Radio. Christmas. They give out turkey to just 
a select few or modest day. So you can ask for unity to the community when it's going bad, and then when it's going when you have an opportunity to give to everybody. That's why I'm against you know using taxpayers' money to to dole out favors because it 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 it, it, it is done in a way that's disproportionate to the reality of who you're giving it to. For example, let's say in one constituency there's seven thousand uh, people registered voters. Okay. Obviously, all of those people are not going to vote for you, for you or it's going to be scattered. So if I don't vote for you, that means I don't get a turkey. So it's it's when you, these are the kind of inconsistencies you know, that, that occurs. So when a minister comes and says something that's very true, I agree with him 100%, then people look back and say, but gee, when it was time for you to um, be consistent and say, okay, let's just let's dole out whatever thing that you want to give out in the name of taxpayers, you weren't, doing, you weren't saying that. So anyway... I have on the line Derek, and um, and you know we again we're gonna get into a discussion. We're gonna cover many of the topics that some of you were um, interacting with Derek to on online, and some of you had to, told me you want me to ask him about. So we're gonna do all that. But um, in the meantime, I just want to introduce the Honorable Derek Eichmann, who is out of in Greensboro, North Carolina. That's where he Green, Greenville, Greenville, Green, huh? Greensville, North Carolina. He's uh, right. uh, recuperating. For, from um, from um, some illness that he had, and but thank God he's in good health, and uh, he's also preparing for his um, for his ministry. So, Derek, before, if you want to talk a little bit about that before we get into it, please go ahead and do so, so people can know exactly what you're doing in Greenville. <laughs> okay. First of all, um, again, it's a great it's a great opportunity that I appreciate so so very much to have this chance to talk once again with the Belizean people, uh, both in the diaspora as well as at home. Um, for those who may still not know, um, uh, I think it was early March, um, the 17th of March actually, I had surgery to remove uh, multiple tumors from my hand and arm and, and the main one being in my back. Um, the specialists here were convinced based on, I guess, the, the tests that were run at, at that time, though, though they were inconclusive, their expertise dictated to them that um, I had cancer, actually, um, cancer that had actually begun to spread, according to, to their estimation, anyway, to, to my bones. Um, it was such an alarming speculation, I use the word speculation now, um, that my wife was summoned to come from Belize and my children from their respective universities here to to meet with the doctor um, for him to explain basically what he he had gathered was taking place. Um, and presumably it, it was cancer. I had to have these surgeries and thereafter he indicated that I would have to take um, radiation, not not chemo, but radiation. Um, anyway, long story short, after all the scare and the much, much, much prayers that was offered, um, the surgeries were, were done, and um, the biopsy all all came back totally, totally free of any cancer, and all, the tumors were all benign. And so um, that was a great miracle yeah. for me. And for my family, mm -hmm. and I just want to publicly again, and I've said this many times, you know, thank God for His grace and mercy. And now I know what so many, many, many Belizeans 
and, and many people around the world, actually, um, what they go through with a diagnosis of, of, of cancer and the fear and the insecurity and the doubt, despite our faith, you know, um, that we are only humans that, that we all go through. And I am no exception. I mean, with all my faith, I, I was worried. I mean, all the evidence pointed elsewhere. And so I just want to again give thanks that God spared me and uh, I am here to, to help whoever I can um, when, when and if they ever go through that, that scare. Um, I have made, I have made um, arrangements with the, the cancer specialists here um, to go to Belize. They, they will, they've already been in touch. I've put them in touch with Dr. Adrian Curry, who is the, the uh, head of the hospital in, in Belize. And so they will be coming to, to Belize to train and help educate our local guys in the whole area of oncology. Um, they have also agreed that anybody who my ministry is able to assist to bring to the States if they are diagnosed with cancer, surgeries and other uh, uh, medical care, um, free of cost. Um, we were just about to put that to, to the test with a young 19-year-old from Belize who, thank God, was misdiagnosed with cancer. Um, but when we thought it was cancer, we had made arrangements to bring her. Thank God, Dr. Adrian Cowie found out before too late that it was actually tuberculosis oh, okay. that the child had and not cancer. So again, praise God, we didn't have to to bring her and put that to the test. But um, at least out of my experience, I, I am glad that God has worked things out, that Belizeans can now access, at least those who can't afford it, can now access uh, oncology care through this hospital here in, in North Carolina, which is the largest regional hospital for all eastern North Carolina. It's called Vident. Mm -hmm. And that's also the hospital where my eldest daughter is doing her pediatric residency and has just been appointed chief resident, actually. Um, and so God is good. Yes, God is yes, good. indeed. So, um, that's the reason I'm here. And hopefully I should be <laughs> I should be able to leave to go home, I would think, in maximum time remaining, maybe three weeks. Oh, okay, great. Yeah. So you you're on the verge of uh, yeah. thank God of um you know, yeah. getting wrapping that up. That's 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 a success story, I you know, I mean I'm very happy yeah. I am happy that, that you know, that it turned out that way because yes, it could yes, have been yes. a tragedy. But let me ask you, Derek, um mm -hmm. regard you you are you a US citizen or are you no, 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 no. I'm not a U.S. citizen, okay. uh, citizen but I do, let, let, let me state very, very clearly, when I got married to my wife 31 years ago, um, she was already a U.S. resident. Her father had migrated to the States oh, okay. and, had, and had filed for, for all his children. Mm -hmm. So she was a U.S. resident when, when we got married. And um, as a good and loyal wife, she wanted me to, to subject myself to her filing for me, um, which I resisted, I resisted vehemently because I said, you know, I, I can't, um, I can't be serving in the capacity of a minister of government from Belize and, and have U.S. U.S. residents. So I, I resisted that for a long time. But when we lost the elections in '89, and you know, women are wise, and she kept saying, Derek, you know, I, I, I know your patriotic stand and this, but this is 
for me, from where I stand, this is nothing about patriotism. This is something about survival and, and, and reality. You have no idea with the uncertainty of politics where things will lead. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so long story short, um, sometime after the 89 elections, I, uh, when, when the party lost, I mean, I was re-elected, but, but the party lost, uh, to please my wife, I, I gave in and I said, okay, darling, go ahead, go ahead and file. And so about two or three years later, um, I did become a U.S. resident through her filing for, for me. Mm-hmm. And, my three, and my three children, um, there's a law that says any child born to a U.S. resident outside of the United States, when you take that child into the United States upon its first entry after birth, that child is automatically processed at the point of entry to become a U.S. resident as well. Mm-hmm. And so by virtue of my wife being a U.S. resident when she gave birth to our three children, all three children then became automatic U.S. residents upon their arrival into the States, the first trip they made after they, after. I mean, they weren't, you were not U.S. citizen, but U.S. residents is what you're saying. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry? The reason why I want to make the distinction between because um, between U.S. resident versus, say, a U.S. citizen, the reason why I want to make, a, make that distinction because if they're U.S. citizens, that means that they... Uh, they qualify for high office automatically, by virtue, by you know, based on descent. But um, if they're U.S. resident, then they're going to go through the same thing. Well, not yeah, no, I take that back. They 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 they're fine too. But it's only with the U.S. The problem is, let's say, it's important that we make that distinction, Derek, only because I said, given the the condition with the diaspora and you know and uh-huh. the fight that we're having for getting all our rights uh, in our country. Yeah, let me. But I'm not sure if. Were, were you telling me something that I may not myself be aware of? I, I'm not sure if I'm missing okay, my own education. The way the, law is, okay, the, way, the way the law is working in the Constitution, I think, it's like, okay, if you were born, if you, have UNC, if you, if you acquire U.S. citizenship before your 18th birthday, that is to say, so most of our kids who live in the States, you know, if, if they were born here, that means they, they acquire U.S. citizenship before the 18th birthday. According to the Belize law, that means that they that they have no restrictions. They they don't have to renounce anything. They have to, They can they can participate fully with all their rights, including if you have a wife that was United States citizen, naturalized. They have all their rights. The only one that have impediments are the Belizeans, such as myself, who acquire U.S. citizenship after our 18th birthday. Well, I guess. Um, not that I'm obligated by any means to make full disclosure about anything in relation to my family. It's just that I have nothing. There's no secret, no, nothing to hide. Um, l- let me just clarify that um, that was the status of all three children up until recently. Um, because when my wife became a U.S. citizen about two, three years ago now, she's probably going to kill me. Mm-hmm. Probably going to kill me for saying for disclosing this. But, um, you know, I'll put it out there. When she, be- she filed for citizenship, um, simply because um, it, be- it has become increasingly difficult. Yes, I and a lot of people told as, me that. As traveling. Ever, ever, right. Mm-hmm. Every time we would travel to the States, which is many, many times. I mean, our three children mm-hmm. have been here, so we travel every opportunity we get. It's always an issue when you get to immigration wanting proof that you live here, that you work here, etc. And then when, when you can't provide the proof, there is the threat that the residency can be taken away from you. Mm-hmm. And she said very clearly to me, Derek, you, you can die with Belize. <laughs> he said, well, 
I I have to look out for my children and, and, and their future. So I, you know the mother will always you know see something that you know you you know I will go ahead you know, yeah. and file for citizenship because I can't afford to lose this residency status. I mean, yeah. and in all and if the truth be told, you were let, let's just let's just lay it all out there, man. And I, I, I make I now make no apologies for this. If it wasn't for the fact that through my wife's wisdom, well. She was already a, a resident, so that that's a given when 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 we got married. But um, she followed the law. I mean, every time the children were born, she brought them into the states. They became U.S. residents right there. Mm-hmm. But I will tell you this: I will tell you this, and I don't make any apologies here. My children, not to boast, God has just been great to my wife and I when it comes to our children. Anybody who knows our children in Belize knows that they are outstanding students. I mean, I'm not going to get into their achievements here, Mm -hmm. but they are outstanding academic students. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I will tell you this, none of my children ever (laughs) received not even a, a, a glance at getting any kind of scholarship or anything from the government, never. So no, not preferential, no kind of preferential not, treatment or privilege. Oh, no, as a matter of fact, if, if the truth be told, I don't want to stir up anything in the past, but I, I mentioned this just so that Belizeans can understand how vicious politics can be in Belize. And if you think bankrupting me, and I guess we'll get to that at some point, if you think... Dirk, just before you go that far... I just want to clarify something to my listeners because, I mean, I'm sure. getting people who would... Okay, if the kids were under 18, when 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 you, when your wife came, acquired her U.S. citizenship, that means they automatically got U.S. citizenship too. But were that, they on, so if they weren't yeah, under 18, that, then then they're fine with the yeah. card. If you were, you're, so, you're so correct. That's what I was attempting to put out there in the open just so when, when I got a bit diverted. I, what I started to say is that when my wife acquired U.S. citizenship about two or three years ago. Mm-hmm. The one child that was still under 18 was my son. That means automatically U.S. citizen. And so he automatically, yes, he automatically became a U.S. citizen as well, along with my wife. But my two daughters and myself still remain under just U.S. resident status. Okay, so you guys are good to go. They knew your daughter. Yes. But your son, <laughs> well, he, he, the son and your wife, just so they know, they, they have serious inhibitions. Restrictions as far as how Belize exactly. see them. Exactly. Just want you to, and just let me just explain it to you very briefly. I mean, if you're not aware, mm. that sure. Belize no see them as split allegiance because they acquire, you know, citizenship after the 18th birth. Well, not your son, but your 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 your, your wife. Not your son. Your son is fine because mm-hmm. you know, he acquired it before his 18th birthday. But your, your wife is no seaman. Don't feel sad, Kim, because it's all of us that's in that boat together. You know? <laughs> just, if you're listening, you know, don't feel like we're picking at you because I am in the same boat too. We all are. Yeah. We are. We are viewed with suspicion. We are viewed as if though our allegiance is questioned. That you know, we you know, we you know, and and then, but this same thing doesn't go for any other naturalized citizen. So if you're a naturalized yeah. citizen from any other country, particularly the Commonwealth, you're good to go. You're not you're not viewed with that with that with that, um, yeah. including Guatemalans, Derek. Who Guatemalans who under the Constitution of Belize should not hold any kind of citizenship because of the hostility of that country to our, um, to Belize, but yet and still they are they are allowed to have citizenship. Mm-hmm. So don't you know, Hubert? It's it's so it's so ironic. It's so ironic that you're choosing to start this conversation on this 
part two, and I fear that I suspect there will be more than part two in a new work. Yeah, but anyway, um, long, however long it takes. <laughs> but you know, let me let me throw something out there because, and I don't, I want to be careful here, not to offend anybody, and and I know how how sensitive church matters are. So ironic. And I want people to understand this, that this citizenship thing and whatever is happening with the diaspora, and, and, and thank you for clarifying that my wife, my wife has now joined the status of, of the diaspora, though she, she lives in, in, in Belize in, in relation to, to what you've just explained. Yeah. But what comes to my mind, listeners, and for me this is just, um, it, it saddens me, but it's the reality you know, but religion also has its its confines and its barriers almost symptomatic to to politics. Because I I want to share this very honestly and openly and you know, I hope the bishop would be hearing me directly so he understands the sincerity and the truth and the love with which I'm simply sharing this information for, for educational purposes. Mm-hmm. But um, as you know, I have been an Anglican all my life. I, I was born an Anglican. I was baptized an Anglican. I was confirmed an Anglican. I was married into the Anglican Church. I, I mean, you can't get more Anglican than I know. I know I know the Anglican thing because. Yeah, I'm familiar okay. with that, Derek. You know, you now, went to St. Michael's too, did you know? And the only reason I was forced to go to St. Michael's College because I wanted to go to SJC. I had passed entrance to go to SJC. Mm. It was my dream to go to SJC. My son went to SJC. Mm. But back then, my guardian, who was very, very close to the late early Casasola, who was an icon mm. at St. Michael's Miss College. Miss Lutz, yeah. yeah. Miss, no, no, no. Not no, Miss Lutz. She's a teacher here too, Miss Casasola, yes. But the teacher is, at the one point. This is Erlene Casasola, though. This oh, not, not the other one, not the okay. I'm confused. Exactly. Okay, okay. Uh, she was very close to my guardian at the time, Mrs. Elsa Smith, mm-hmm. and she they both insisted that I will go nowhere else but to the Anglican High School, which is in Michael's College. So you got overruled. So, so I, I, again, that's another testimony as to how Anglican <laughs> I was. You know, Anglican that is than the Archbishop. I, I mean, <laughs> But listen to this now, listen to this now, with, the, with all the love intended in the world, because, because my calling to the ministry is not to be an Anglican priest and to be this non-denominational pastor, minister, whatever you want to call it, that will work across all denominational lines. So I, I, I won't have a church, I won't have a congregation as well, I will work. With all congregations, so you like a universal, kind of like a universal exactly. thing then. But because because of that, now get a hold of this. I cannot be ordained. I and I understand not being able to be ordained by the Anglican Church. That I understand. But if you were to hear now what is my status vis-à-vis the Anglican Church, they can't even participate in my ordination. No, so you, uh, you excommunicated then, is that what it is? I mean, Well, that's a strong term, and I want, to, I want to say that 
if the status is excommunication, I am not receiving, I am not accepting that excommunication. But if it's not that, it is almost close to that, in that it's almost as though I am no, I, I am no hands off by the African church. So you're performing on graphic, I mean, essentially. Uh, that, that is probably a better term mm-hmm. because some way, somehow, I'm seen as entering into something that clearly cannot or doesn't have the blessing of the Anglican church. Now, this is the church that I have come out. I'm, I'm a son of their bowel. Mm-hmm. But now I find myself in a situation where I have become this person that they can't relate to anymore. They certainly can't participate in my ordination. I, I, I feel almost like, like an outsider. All of, and I've not even become ordained yet. And I'm already being told what my limitations now are. And, and that, that's not a very good thing. Well, 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 let me ask you, though. Let me ask yes. you. Because, uh, all right, so you, what kind of monolithic unity the church having believed because I mean a lot of people cause, uh, the reason why I'm asking this is because in light of the in light of the uh, you know the, you know the way how the church school system is that mo- many people say is not in, are, that are failing or kids, you know with the gangs so, I mean for example the Catholic and the and the Anglican Church versus say the, the evangelicals and the mm-hmm. Church of God yeah. and Christ what is the relationship well it's not a hell if, if the truth be told, and, and I, I really, I, it's not my intention here to to, to throw the, the church in, in, into any kind of public forum, but um, if, if the truth be told, it, it, traditionally it has not been a healthy relationship at all. Now, I personally, I personally have seen my own bishop, and I will continue to always call him my own bishop, that is Philip, the, the right, Honorable Philip, Philip Wright. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have personally seen where I believe they are making sincere attempts to bridge the gap. I see Pastor Eugene Crawford from Central Assemblies of God again embracing, embracing some kind of a, a, a coming together between the evangelical churches and the Council of Churches because there they, they are two separate councils of churches in Belize. You've got the Evangelical Council of Churches, which are your smaller denominations, and then you have the Belize Council of Churches, which primarily is the Anglicans, the Catholics, and the Methodists. So they are on one side of a divide, and the evangelical churches are on the other side. And, and it's known for years that the two don't relate. Um, and they have their own premise why they don't relate. And to be honest with you, to be honest with you, that therein lies one of the fundamental uh, missions of my ministry is is to unite the church in Belize because the church in my this is just my opinion now the church the, the the role that the church should play in any nation I believe is being abdicated in a serious way in Belize because of their division the the the, the, it, the situation that prevails in Belize right now is this is literally intimidated by the government. And by the government also, of any... Explain that. Explain that a little just, further. Not just this government, any government of the past. Number one, the church feels or operates from a perspective that somehow religion and politics must not 
mix. Personally, personally, I feel that is a wrong philosophy. That's a wrong approach. So you don't share that view? I do. I, I oppose it vehemently. I believe that God requires of us as, as whatever, whoever we support and, 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 and believe. And I want to carefully navigate to the right path here because a couple of people said to me, Derek, that listened to, to the show last week and have been following my daily devotional uh, thing that I post every day. Their concern is that, but you only talk about Christians, 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 and you never address other faith. And, and I want to categorically put it out there once and for all to put everybody's mind or anybody's mind at ease. And maybe I, I have been wrong to use Christian Christianity or Christians in the universal term as I tend to always use it. When, when I speak of, of Christians and, and God being our answer or solution, we need to pray to God. I do not, by any means, am I suggesting that God is exclusive. Well, what I think, Derek, is not so much so that you, um, I think what happens sometimes, I have gotten some of the feedback and I was, you know, right. like they're telling me that, okay, some people have issues with the fact that um, that um, that you want to stress, you know the you know the ad- God advocacy, as some of them would call it, or the need for 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 you know for yeah for spirituality, using whether it's whatever religion you know in, and, and yes. perhaps you need to you know let you know let people be aware that, that um, you know what your intentions are, what how you yes. view that, because I think maybe there's a lot of uh, misconception or misunderstanding exactly. you know going and, on and, there, and that's what I want to I want to seize this opportunity right now, and I don't want to get sidetracked. From where I was going, I okay. do want to seize this, this opportunity to say, listen, nobody more than the, the, the very nature of the ministry that I'm engaging in, the fact that I am not even subscribing to my traditional faith, which is the Anglican faith, and I and I am embracing an all-encompassing across all denominations approach, should speak to the very nature and the very core of. So you're not pushing, you're not pushing a, 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 a church-dominated thing per se. Exactly. So I, I am here for, for once and all to clarify that if the Rastafarian, the Rastafarian, if the Allah, the Allah, if the Jehovah Witness, it, it, to me, it does not matter. And I, I, do need to be, I do need to take the caution, though. I do need to heed, heed the caution as I go forward, to be sensitive that people out there are insensitive. And so I need to make it clear at all times that when I just universally say, you know, God and Christianity and so it's not that I mean exclusively by any means at all. But if, if, if a Rastafarian is speaking and a Rastafarian is admonishing their faith, they won't stop every time to say, but I also recognize, you know, God and, and Allah and all that. You, you just kind of speak in the language and the perspective that you operate in. But it doesn't, I want it to be clear that it doesn't, when I say, you know, God is the answer, we have to pray to God, I mean, whoever your God is, whoever God is in your faith, that, I encompass that too, and I embrace that too. So please never think that I am exclusive at, by any means in, in my approach to religion, to, to, to just God. I recognize and respect all faith. Mm-hmm. I recognize and respect all beliefs. What I also respect, oh, and what I also believe, however, is that we are all serving, whoever it is we are serving, 
we are serving it together. So, so I will never think that who I serve is greater than who you are serving or who you are serving is greater than who I'm serving. Whoever we are serving, we are all one mm-hmm. in that service. So please, if there's ever anything that I want to clarify out there, I am all for inclusion and oneness, not for segregation, not for compartment, because that is what has divided us so long, for, for, for too long. Mm-hmm. We, 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 we always get trapped in these, these denominations, these labels. We mm-hmm. always get trapped in things that divide us. Ladies and gentlemen, I am about ending divisiveness. I am for unity, unity of all people, of all faiths, of whatever it is. I, am, I can't be a judge on earth as to what you are doing, whether it's right or wrong. That's not my place. God did not call me to that. And that's why I take strong objections, and I don't want to single out the, the, the Adventists here. But I, I must, in a way, because I, I have a problem with anybody who believes that their faith is so exclusive, it's exclusive to the detriment of others. And when the head of the Adventist Church in Belize, who I admire and respect so dearly, he's a good friend of mine, but how can I exist with him when he's telling me, I am going to hell, and everybody else is going to hell. Anybody who does not celebrate the Sabbath on a Saturday will go to hell. That is what the Adventists promote. And now that I can't, I can't confidence that, because first of all, I don't believe that any, any grouping out here, where whatever we find ourselves grouped under, I cannot support that any one grouping has the exclusive authority on what the, the, the way forward for all of us. I, I think that somewhere along the line we're going to find that each one of us may have a little bit of, of what's right, <laughs> but I don't think any of us can function with this exclusive assurance that only we are correct. That, I think, is our greatest downfall. And I am here, my work will try to eliminate that, that concept, wherever it, I find it out there, that any group is superior or supreme over the other. Okay. So please, I, want, I hope that has clarified where I come from and where, 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 where well, I Well, I think that's... That's pretty uh, clear enough for anybody who's listening and you know want yeah. to misconstrue your point that you that they believe yeah. that oh that you are on the oh, no. tangent that's trying to you know <laughs> so the brother just, yeah. the brother put ladies uh, position out there so please um you know if you have any issue with it inbox him and you know you talk to him first yeah, sure of course I mean <laughs> talk to him first I'm sure he'd be more than happy to uh feel to, free feel free to I don't want I didn't want to but, take a liberty to be with the inbox you brother because I don't want to no but that's okay that's okay. But let me get back to this, this dilemma that poor thing I find myself in right now is that, um, and, and what the reason it, it came to me just now as you spoke is because I can show you correspondence that I have made to my bishop and to Father Flowers, who is the priest that I respect and admire so much. I mean, he's the one who keeps service at the church I go to in, in, in Boral Boom. Mm-hmm. He's in charge of St. Mary's Church in Belize City, but he's also in charge of the church in Boral Boom where I go to, which is St. Francis. I love the little country church. Love my boom church. I, I don't plan to ever stop going there. So you live in Boom then? That's where you live in Boral Boom? Well, on the Boom Road, not boom actually road. On the, in the villages. Oh. But I mean, sorry, in the area, I area. consider myself living in Boom for all intents and purposes. Mm-hmm. But um, what I said to them when I realized the dilemma they were finding themselves in to deal with me, 
<laughs> in this new role. To help them along, I have used the very term you just used. I said, guys, listen, all the way to me, this is so simple, you know, I have always had an Anglican passport. I was born with an Anglican passport. I, am, I have no intentions to give up my Anglican passport. I will never give it up. I will hold it close to my chest dearly for life. But, but, simply see this now, that I am getting dual citizenship. Mm-hmm. I am holding on to my Anglicanism, but I am also embracing now a more universal, international passport as well. So why can't I embrace both simultaneously? You see, so it's so ironic that the same challenge the diaspora is facing as far as Belize's constitutional rights mm-hmm. as a Belizean citizen, which has its place in its own perspective, I am here to tell the world that in my situation right now, I am fighting for dual citizenship too with my own church, who basically is saying to me, you know, well, because of this new passport that you want to embrace or that you will embrace on the 25th of October, well, we can't treat you how we have been treating you all along because it's almost as though you, you are breaking certain protocols with us. But let me ask you this, Derek. Donald, you think you're, you're tied into the diaspora thing. Why is yeah. it that we seem to, in Belize, always want to place impediments on anybody who dares to do something revolutionary or dares to do something that's against the norm of our social construct. You know, like, for example, you decide that you don't want, you know, you want to get non-denomination. You know, in Belize, we take up citizenship after we're 18. Immediately, you are placed within some sort of, you know, inhibition. Yeah. Some sort of, you know, what is it? What is, what's this mentality? Well, I will tell you, I, I, I think I have the answer to your question, you know, um, uh, Hubert. And it's so funny. I tell you, God has a way of, <laughs> of just strategically confirming things. When, when, when he gives you an order, when, when he places a charge on your life, he has a way of sending confirmation to you in some amazing ways, you know. I read, and again, I hope people don't think you read that we are, you and I and anybody else is any kind are involved in any kind of conspiracy because the good Lord knows that we are not. And you now have to back me up with this. And I hate to put you on the spot, but you can verify that what I'm saying to this nation of Belize, both at home and abroad, is, is facts, not, not any conspiracy. Hubert, when I read the, in the Amandala this week that, we Derek, want, okay, yes. that Derek um, Akbar posted, mm-hmm. man, I read that thing, and I don't know if it had the same effect on you, but as I read that that editorial, I felt the only thing that came over me, I'll tell you, is that, my gosh, Lord, here you are sending the confirmation to me. Because if the truth be told, Hubert, in the discussions we had off the air sometime, I don't remember when, last week, it's almost as though, well, people think it's Evan Hyde that writes the editorial. He may do it sometimes, but I do know for a fact that it's Russell Hayes mm-hmm. who now writes the editorial in, in the Amanda, at least for, for most instances. But it has one blessing, so I can tell you that. Oh, 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 clearly, but I'm saying I happen to, I think I know that that uh, Russell is the one that actually pens most of those Editorial. No, well, I think I, the, 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 the Darfur one is Evan, though. That has his, his oh, name written all over that. The, the, the style, everything. Oh, you know. oh, 
All right. Well, I I'm not I I'm not. That's not important to me right now. Who did? But the fact that this is what whatever we may or may not think, this is the leading newspaper in in Belize, and it carries a lot of influence. And I found it amazing that the editorial in the Mandela would speak within days after the discussion that we had, where I was telling you guys that in my opinion, my humble opinion, that the diaspora will have to lead the way forward to get Belize, the, the homeland anyway, out of the crisis it is in. Um, now, that, that's not negating in any way the emphasis I place that it has to be a spiritual renewal to, to get us out of that, that's, that place that, that, that we're at. But, but having said that, I also have long felt that because Belize, and the same question you just asked, why is it that it's as though Belize can't embrace anything revolutionary? Before you answer well, that one question, let me just say, before you think so, I don't wanna, I, when we talk, man, a lot to get dovetailed, so you know, bear with me here. Okay, but hold that thought right there, because I want you to expand on it, because I did ask you that. But coming back to the diaspora and the, the editorial in the Amandala that, 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 yes. that they're at bar, um, uh, posted, posted uh-huh. Okay, Evan has always been very, very sympathetic and very encouraging, and, uh, uh, and one of the few, maybe you and maybe a few others, but he's definitely one of them who has an enlightened position, an enlightened vision as to what contribution and, and the importance of the diaspora to the development, the overall development of that country. So he has always had a consistent position with that, as far as I know. He, I, I have, this was a probably one of the first time I've seen him come out in an in a editorial and really laid it out in a way that, is, that leaves no doubt where he stands. You know? Uh-huh. Maybe if he has another editorial, please, I hope anybody could direct it to me, but this is one editorial that I saw that, that Ivan, a personal friend of mine, has really, you know, he has told me this privately and, and he said publicly that he believes that the diaspora has a very, very, very important role to play in the development of the country. You and you, Derek, is another one of the individuals who live in Belize, outside, who come out of Belize, who sees this vision and have this position. Very few, my brother, very few. I can you could come up on your hand, by one hand, will have this yeah. enlightened position about the role of the diaspora. But, but you know, you were, I'm, I'm surprised. I mean, well, I, I respect, I, one of the things... I think time has, has helped me to mature in because maybe in my youthful, energetic years, I still have a lot of energy, don't get me wrong, <laughs> but in my, in my youthful, exuberant years, maybe I have demonstrated in the past some intolerance on certain issues for people who may not have seen things the way I've seen it. I, I'd be the first to admit and confess that and repent about that. But I think time has matured me to, to become more tolerant of people's views even when they are diametrically opposed to mine. I mean, I, I, I had, an, I had a, a back and forth thing with my dear brother on Facebook yesterday where, I mean, he really drained every drop of blood and strength out of me on this whole thing about Belize, Belize's answer in, out of his present crisis anyway. doesn't lie. I'm tired you out then. <laughs> It, yeah, it, it doesn't lie in man. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's my honest belief. It, it, man has demonstrated for years that they are failing, 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 failing the place. The things are getting worse, worse and worse and worse. Mm-hmm. And I believe, truthfully, there is no other solution 
that we can seek right now to get us out of that crisis than some sort of a spiritual, divine help. Okay, and maybe that's debatable again with, with others, but that's the, point I, yes, the point I want to make is this, that I, I don't understand why it is so difficult for people to, to see the significance of a diaspora contribution to our future, because I, the way I see it, Hubert, it is so simple, you know. I, have, I am living proof that sometimes, in fact, almost all times, you need to get away from a scenario to be able to see things differently, you know. When you are, when you are embroiled in the very bowels and the guts of a situation, you can't see things clearly like the person from the outside. Um, I saw a different view of the UDP after they expelled me from their party because I was actually now outside of the party. Okay, there is, again, since you bring that up again, I, I, and I was going to get to these things, but, okay, you, and this, I want to clarify this again because I've seen like, on Facebook and in social media a lot of things where people are under the impression and I want to clear this up that the PUP, I mean, I'm sorry, the PUP is diametrically opposed to diaspora rights, and the UDP is all of them, you know, including Mr. Barrow there, all for it. Is this a fact or a myth? Could you repeat that, um, Hubert? Okay. The, the, the perception is that the PUP, the hierarchy of the PUP, is diametrically opposed to all things diaspora as, as it relates to you know, giving them full rights, whereas the UDP is viewed as a part, the progressive party, that they, that they embrace the diaspora and they want to give them full rights on everything. Is this a myth or a faction? Well, I, I, don't, I, 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 never want to I never want to dodge any question. I am I, I, not a dodger. But if I find myself unable to respond accurately and truthfully, I've got to say so. I really, because of the long, the long time that I've been outside of the UDP, I truthfully and honestly would be incompetent to speak for the UDP present day as to where they stand. Okay. Now, let me, but let me hasten to say this in all truth and honesty. Based on my original association with the UDP, up until the time that I was expelled from the, from the party, I have always, up until that time I was running away, I have always got the, the, the feeling that the general sentiment from the UDP party was a pro-diaspora position. Um, I, I, I never, in all the time I was associated with them, I never got the impression that they were anti-diaspora as, as a general party position. Now, different personalities in the party may or may not differ with, with, with that perception that I have had. Um, but having said that too, I must truthfully also say that while I've never been a PUP and I've never been inside the PUP, I am not aware that the PUPs are opposed to the diaspora either. Okay. I, I, I don't have. Well, I was going. Were from, you aware of the, the 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 conditions and the things surrounding the um the Seventh Amendment? Because that was when you had people like Sylvana Woods and others who were very vocally, you know, yes. came out. Uh, you know. I, yes, I am. I am aware of the issues from the, the Seventh Amendment, and and if if I were to introduce my own thoughts, then it would be around that time 
that I would have to say I began to, 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 to pick up what could possibly be interpreted as the beginnings or at least the, the initial exposure of some what could be interpreted as some anti diaspora sentiments coming from these parties. I that would have to be I would have to admit that as well. But again, these would just be my impressions and not necessarily any force of fact or truth that I could square and say, well this means that they are definitely against I, I, I that I can't Well, the, well Eric, what I find interesting is the fact that okay, Mr. Barra had a super super majority back in when he first 2008 to 2012 and he could have when when he in fact introduced the seventh amendment which was a progressive yes. step but then yes. as soon as he he got he got the opposition uh opposition from people like Silvana Woods and others you know who vehemently were coming out against it i remember i wasn't there from what i understand from the the, the parish halting in st mary's there you know when they had the hearings and stuff to, to see yes. public awareness yes, i mean he backed off then when he came to Los Angeles last year, he, you know, when we asked him and said, "Hey, man, you know, what, what's the deal with this?" He doesn't, he doesn't, you know, as far as he's, as far as his his, his position is now, that he's not going to reintroduce it again because he doesn't have the political, he don't want to spend the political capital nor or to spend the political um, popular support he will need to to, to 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 introduce that again into the house, even though, yeah. you know. So I have to wonder about that. And the only thing, the only thing I find myself at this point to be able to categorically add to what you have just introduced, from the perspective where I stand, the rights of the diaspora are non-negotiable. I take a stand where it's not even up for negotiation. The rights should not be denied, you guys. The rights must be bestowed upon you guys with haste, with immediate haste. And it's just simply not conditional upon negotiation. And I feel very strongly about that. So if we could find a way to get back to that place and we simply put this thing to rest once and for all, I think that would move Belize forward by leaps and bounds. We are not a country that can afford this kind of divisiveness. And I was about to tell you why I find it from where I stand, I find it so natural that the diaspora plays the role that they need to play in our, in our development and in our present crisis. Hubert, mm-hmm. when uh, people who leave the homeland, whatever may be the reasons that stimulated the departure, and, and we have different reasons why people leave. However, I always see departing from your base as an opportunity to expand your horizons intellectually, socially, politically, economically, every potential that is out there for you to grasp that is not possible to grasp in Belize. And so there are certain realities that we must face. Belize does not offer the educational opportunities that the diaspora offers to Belizeans. Belize does not offer... The, 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 it doesn't have the health potential, the, the education, the economics. It, it simply does not. Not because we're putting Belize, the homeland, down. Mm-hmm. We're just being realistic. It's the truth. It's the reality. So anybody who embraces the diaspora for whatever reason, in my opinion, in my opinion, they they set themselves in a place where they can develop 
beyond the boundaries that Belize would have allowed them to develop had they remained. And I don't believe that is that should be a negative that's held against them. I think it should be a positive. When our children leave Belize to study abroad, we don't condemn them because they went away to study. We embrace them when they come back with their knowledge that they've gone up, they've gone outside of the nation to, to achieve, which was not possible to get inside the nation of Belize. So if we if we simply put on that same lens to the people who find themselves in the diaspora, we can't judge the reasons why you came, but you came to a place that that allowed a, a development beyond Belize's boundaries that is not possible in Belize. How, and if we are not selfish, and if we are not envious, and if we are tolerant of all Belizeans, wherever they are, then we ought to want to welcome the expertise that the diaspora has gained by virtue of their departure, whatever the departure reasons were. And we ought to see where the expertise and the input from the diaspora is no less can and ought not to be treated as any lesser of a value from those who remain in Belize. In fact, we should see it as, a, as an extra plus for the development of our country. Mm-hmm. So any idea to marginalize diasporans is a wrong idea. It is an anti-Belize idea and must be shot down at every step of the way. And I will say this now, and I love my country, and I, I admire those who have remained and, and, have, and have, have toiled and, 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 and sustained themselves against all the odds. Those who are right there right now cleaning the blood off the streets, you know, going through all that we're going through, they have to be recognized too for staying and, and staying the course. But the same way they must be recognized and applauded for staying the course, the same way those who have left, for the reasons they have left, must be applauded if they want to come back now with whatever they have gained by leaving that can add and bring about a change to the Belize homeland. I, to me, it is so, so simple. Here's what I have seen, Derek, on, 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 on social media, and I, and, I, and I try to be fair because some people say, I'm not saying I believe in some. Yes, they, yes, they, yes. They, they, they tend to look at the diaspora as if though, like, whatever all the social problems that that, that country is having right now, the, the mirror, you, 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 you see the bloodletting that's going on. In yes, the yes, yes. They're saying that somehow, that this, at least this is a general sentiment for some Belizean, that somehow the diaspora, people who have migrated from that country, are technically responsible for part of what's going on down there. What, like they said, what have we done for you lately? How come you're not, you know, why are you supporting the ministers when they come out here and, you know, they call them out? Which is, I, you know, but that seems to be a general thing there in, for some But that's, that is short-sightedness. You were, at the best, I would have to respectfully... I would have to respectfully countenance that as being short-sighted, as being unfair to those in the diaspora. And, and if the truth... See, what I don't understand, Hubert, I am a product of the diaspora, and I make no apologies about it. In fact, if my mother and my father and my brothers and my sisters, I'm the youngest of four children, if they did not come to the United States, I would never have had some of the breaks that I had in life. You understand? Mm-hmm. Because my my mother, let me tell you, my mother used to wash clothes 
I mean, the, the, the linens at Fort George Hotel. My mother was a was a was a um, what you call it the ward maid. What what you call this? The people that work in 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 hotels. I mean, housekeeping. And, and back then, housekeeping. Back then, well, they call it housekeeping now, but you know. Yeah, they had no washing machines either. Yeah, they were scrubbing board. She used to have to do it. So, I mean, there's no way. And my father used to work as a stevedore. There's no way the salary, the meager pittance they were making as far as income, could have supported four children, could have educated four children, not with a university education by any means. Mm -hmm. So I know, I know what it is to benefit from diaspora existence. You hear what I'm telling you? Mm -hmm. And I would challenge nine out of ten Belizeans. They too are products, uh, products of the diaspora. If it weren't for, for their parents and their, their seniors who left and supplied income and revenue for them back, back home, their existence would have been worse too in the homeland. So how, how can a country who to this day depend, depend a great part for their economical survival from the remittances that are sent to that country that in, is infused into the economy of that country from the diaspora, how could we also receive that economic infusion, be sustained from day to day by that economic infusion but still want to divorce and alienate those who are responsible for that economic infusion into our lives. We want to divorce them from the country of Belize. Man, you, it's irreconcilable. It's irreconcilable. So I, I say quite respectfully that it is a matter of short-sightedness. And where we have a people, where, where whatever component of our people are suffering or is suffering from short-sightedness, then it's for those of us who have the insight, for those who understand the issues, then it's our responsibility to try to educate them and let them understand, wait, man, that's, a, that's, not, a wrong, that's not a right approach at all. Where would we be without the diaspora? Where would Belize be right now without the diaspora? You see, mm -hmm. so it's, it's just, it, it's education, but it's education with respect. It's, it ought to be education with love, education with, 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 with integrity, and not putting anybody down. Mm -hmm. And I believe, I believe, Hubert, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe that the day will come. I believe it has, the, the day has already started to be ushered in. When Belize, wh whoever, whichever Belizean or whatever percentage of Belizeans at home may not have a very positive view towards that. But for whatever reason, I believe with sufficient discussion just like this, with sufficient illustration and demonstration as to the, the real value of the diaspora to the homeland, we can overcome this, man. We can get past this. This is nothing insurmountable. But it simply takes tolerance. It takes patience. It takes explanation. It takes truth. It takes honesty. It takes an open mind. We can close this gap so fast it's not funny because we, we need to close it because if we don't close it, then we, we, we will continue down this slippery, this slippery slope. Mm -hmm. You understand? When you're slipping down a slippery slope as Belize is, man, you need diaspora, you need non-diaspora, 
You need every citizen out there, every world citizen out there that can help you. you we are not in a position to reject anybody, mm-hmm. let alone our very own Belizeans. Yes, and that's, we're just not in that position to do that. That, that, that seems to see, and I'm not trying. Again, I know that I'm not trying to to to, to be this, you know, like um, you know, somebody who's suggesting that there's some kind of uh, divide, but there is a divide. But I'm not. I I, I just want to, you know, lead you know, forward. You understand what I'm saying, Derek? I'm bringing yes, up because you, you know, you you were you were in the centers of power in that country, so you understand, you know, the uniqueness yeah. of what, they, you know, because what they're doing is not all. Again, I want to say some because I don't yes. want to be generalized yeah. here. They believe that because some believers migrated that somehow. The abandoned, you know, one of the favorite things. Well, you know, don't get a technolicking or, you know, I mean, that kind of thing. You know, so it's almost like an animosity, a hostility that's irrational. But but you see, the very actions, the very behavior of the diaspora, should negate their negativity, man. Because he worked. Listen to me. Every year during our national celebrations, who come home by the thousands? To identify with the country, to celebrate mm-hmm. with the country, to be one with the homeland. But the people of the diaspora, yep. they come by the thousands every 10th and 21st. Man, what greater act do you need for them to demonstrate that they have not abandoned Belize, that they still see Belize as their home? If they didn't see Belize as their home, they wouldn't be fighting now to want to vote in the affairs of their home. You know, so, I, I, but, and here again, Hubert, my, my thing is, in life, when you reach an impasse that you just can't, you can't reconcile, you, 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 you don't see the reason why it should be, but it is, my brother, and at the risk, again, of, I hope nobody thinks I'm just overly spiritual here, then I, where my, my training tells me, that's when you got to get on your knees and pray for God to work it out. Because if you have tried everything possible in the human physical realm and it's not working, then you've got to go, the only, the only other place I know to go. And what God is teaching me, guess what? You need to go there first. You may need for wait for it to say that you know the work before you come to me. Come to me with it all from the very start. That's yes. part of the training that I know he's doing on me. Now wait for it to become crisis. No way for you to say that you don't have the answer. However big, however small the dilemma. Oh, but Derek, I know, uh, I know you wanted to say, I mean, and I wanted to bring this up, but let me just tell my niece that you're talking, you're listening to the Honorable Derek Eichmann, who is a former minister of government. He's now in the United States, uh, in Greenville, North Carolina, recuperating from, from um, some health issues, and thank God he's safe and sound now. He's good to go. It's a good brother. Amen. Listen to him. Amen. Amen. You know, Amen. Listen to him, and you know, I, this is the second part of our interview that I had with him last week. But this brother has so much information that um, that I have to you know bring him on again. If you want to listen by phone, you can call seven one four two four two six one one nine. I said if you're on the go, otherwise you could pull up the link on your smartphone. It's easy to listen to it, to this show if you if you want to. You could call in. You know, I even have a Skype address that I that can get if anybody wants to listen via Skype. So there's no excuse for you not to listen. And if you miss it, that's still no excuse because it's podcast immediately after. So you know, you know, there's really no excuse to hear anything that Derek is saying. And I and I and I publicize this all over social media because I want people to know. You know, like I say. When fish come from bottom, you know, you know the story. I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna go there. But let's 
let's let's focus on some some other issues that I know people had you know had wanted to hear. They wanted to know. They want to talk. They wanted me to ask you about that kidnapping, and I'm and I, and I was thinking to myself, is that relevant? You know, is that something you feel comfortable talking about, brother? Well, you were. Let me, let me tell you. I am aware of the um, when. Um, what's the name of the senator? Sadly, that was recently kidnapped and found dead. Um, what's his name again from Orange Walk? Um, oh, I forgot his name. Um, I know who you're talking about. Yes, 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 yes. Mm-hmm. Of course, I was over here. It, this happened re- re- recently, and my wife, I remember my wife texting saying, you need to pray for um, Honorable Cervantes because... Yes, Cervantes, yes, Cervantes. Yes, mm-hmm. because he was he was kidnapped. Because mm-hmm. he was kidnapped, and he's... I think this was after day two, and he had not surfaced. I was not aware. Until my wife texted me, I, I had no idea this, this had happened. And mm-hmm. she said, he said, Derek, and you know what is sad? She said the same way the rumor mill went to work when you were kidnapped, coming up with all this speculation, it was hoax, it was fixed, it was this, it was that. She said, do you know it's the same thing circulating now again about um, Cervantes, that this is all a setup, this is political, this is... So nobody can believe that somebody would, 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 would abduct somebody. Is that, is that some, some fun, a foreign concept to them? Well, this is this is what apparently was circulating even when Mr. Cervantes was 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 kidnapped, and it is so sad. It is so sad. I mean, you know, I immediately began to pray for that brother and say, "Oh my God, I cannot imagine what he's going through." God, just please bring him to a good end. And when I heard that they found him dead, man, I tell you, I, I, I it, it did not. It didn't. It wasn't good for me. And like my wife said, this is just resurrecting this whole thing all over again for me. I'm having a hard time dealing. I have never met Mr. Cervantes, but this is just so so tough. I, you know, and Hubert, I'm telling you, um, I don't know if Belizeans don't. I mean, the thing is, they see they they see the killings in our streets. They they see the the home invasions. They, they I mean. <laughs> I, I don't know what else to say. Um, and I just hate that Mr. Cervantes' end was not a good end like like mine. Um, and like I told, I, I remember, I forgot who I was talking to uh, since uh, since last week when, when the radio program was aired and they brought up the same thing about the kid. I said, you know, guess what? I am not even going to waste my time because nothing came out of it. Mm-hmm. I I have my own frustrations with that. My thing is, if it ever gets down to the wire, guess what? Just subject me to a lie detector test. I will end the whole story. Well, I mean, right I don't there. think I don't. I mean, I no, mean, no. But I'm just saying, my but my who's questioning your integrity? Because I mean, I, I mean, I, I think that you know the Cervantes, like you hire that's a that, that's a that's a glaring example of if, if you know if you could relate your been, ordeal that that is quite possible. There have been other kidnappings. Since my high profile kidnapping, as I'm saying, and between Cervantes's, thank God those didn't end the way his ended. But it's not like I, I forget there was somebody, somebody too in Orange. I think that may have been. I, I, I hope I'm not speaking out of that term, but I think that that one had some aspects of drugs or something. There was somebody that was abducted too, but I think they found the person, if I'm not mistaken. But I see Belizeans. I don't know if believe. I am convinced, Hubert, I'm convinced that Belizeans have a way. I call it 
a nine-day wonder. Somebody is shot and killed. It's a young person. Um, you know how many youngsters, like three, four-year-olds, have been shot and killed in their beds because of stray bullets? Okay, dear, let me just see this. Let me just say this before you go any further. I just brought up that, that, that this is the kidnapping here because Belizeans, you know, as far as I'm concerned, I'm happy with your explanation, but I don't even have to get into no details about that because as far as I'm concerned, that's relevant to a lot of things that I want to we discuss. We want to discuss your years in government, okay? Anybody who yeah. want a rumor, you know, or yeah, when read to write your book and they can find it. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. but, but if I could just, let me just make, I think this point is important that, that I want to make earlier. Um, I have witnessed, I have witnessed the tragedies that befall us in Belize, past and present, and, and hopefully, hopefully there won't be much in the future. But, and I have watched Belizeans after a tragedy, man, picnic killing and a bed legal, they sleep, I don't have to do it, nothing, they struggle to kill them. You go through this period where they buy the ball, everybody the ball, they got candlelight procession, they got vigil, it lasts. At best for nine days, and then it just slips off the radar till the next tragedy. Till and the next tragedy, we react to it again. Till, and we just till react the next and react. tragedy, mm-hmm. and until believe, I have come to the conclusion that we are a people now. Until it happens to us, till the for we family, till the for we brother, till, till, mm-hmm. till it comes right to our door. We are just prepared to just give this lip service, mm-hmm. just give it lip service and just, just continue to live right on. And I don't know what it will take. And we don't empathize, I guess, enough. Yeah, because I don't know what it will take for Belizeans. What will it take for us to say, enough is enough is enough. This is the last child that will be killed in our streets. This one be the last candlelight vigil. This one be the last mother ball on the TV. This one be the last scene where the blood they wash on the street side. And we will come together and do and do something that will be sustained until we get a solution. But we don't have that there's a creole term I like is we don't have stickativity. There's no such word that me to make that up. Silvana Woods, we're proud of me today. We don't got stickativity. Mm-hmm. We want to stick to it for nine days. It's that long. Maybe not nine days. But we ain't got a wake, and we ain't got a falling, and we ain't got a lot of display of emotion and so. But after two, three days, well, it's life as usual. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we have, have a very short got, attention span when it comes to these We have surgeries. got to come to a point. And, and see, let me tell you something. The leaders, past, present, and potentially future, they know that's the nature of the Belizean population. They know that the uprising will be just for a moment. They know that it will, as one leader past said, this will pass like one breeze, or mm-hmm. blow over like one breeze. They know it. They know it. Mm-hmm. You understand? Mm-hmm. So what do they do? They just allow you to they get enough rope for you to fly over, for you blow over. Mm-hmm. Because they know it, it will disappear. Mm-hmm. But until Belizeans decide, well, guess what? We want to develop some stickativity. Drink some cow food soup and get some gumption. <laughs> you understand? <laughs> Buy the cow food till all the collagen 
till all the collagen get in our bone and in our blood and make we stick together like some good cow food soup and tell the leaders of this country, guess what? Your number has come. The nation, they tell you no. You better do this or else. And mean it, mean it. Don't, don't, don't let one few people for take the forefront and when putting when they look back, not a delusion that they know. They mm-hmm. scatter with scatter like animals. But since think about it, though, Eric, since you okay, since you you know, you, you you were abducted, and you can I, I I gather the feeling that you have a personal stake now because it came to your do. doorstep. Of course I do. I, I, but it's not it's not only Cuba. It's not only about the, the abduction. About everything in a way history that everything in our existence we, we, we as a people just not stick to nothing for long you understand look here man the indians they come they take over with commerce you look at albert street right now you could compound one hundred billions where they and i know at the end there's a whole other person no no no, no, no. it's relevant but but you, you, you look at the arabs the same thing and god help me all yeah no you look at the. Ch- I keep telling my wife and my children in the next couple of years, you know, we will live in a Chinatown. Yeah, we gave up our right to to to, to feed ourselves to the Chinese. I mean, that's a lot because the Chinese, do. the Chinese, listen to me. You know what I call this? The, 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 the Chinese, the Chinese are showing us. If you have any doubt that Guatemala not to invade with one gun, one bullet, one stick, one nothing, the Chinese. Is showing us that there can be peaceful occupation without mm-hmm. a revolution. Yep. You hear mm-hmm. what I'm telling you? Mm-hmm. The Chinese, that the living example that is showing Belizeans. But Derek, let me ask come, you: What does this say? Come and take, we can come and take over your country. They sell you dollar chicken. We can come and take over your country. They sell you bolido. But Derek, let me ask you this. What does it take? What, what does it say about a country that allows? I'm not, I'm not being racial or anything like that because this is not, you know, I mean, the leadership of a country anyway that allows. Because when you go to Mexico, even nearby Guatemala, you don't see that. Uh, you know, no. it's Guatemala for Guatemala, Mexico for Mexicans, as an example. Well, you know, you don't see this, this is where they allow uh, another, another ethnicity to come and, the minority ethnicity that is, to come and take over their commerce. Do, you, do I need no? And don't please for the for those who are going to run and spread negativity anyway. Let me stop you before you go go say you hear you hear it again to China. No 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 no. This is not this is not So let me just say I have not. I, some of my good friends are Chinese. You know what I'm telling you? So don't ever think that I'm against the Chinese. But I'm simply pointing the reality. We now have Chinese and Orientals in the city council. We have one that will be running for national office. And at the rate we're going, my brother, maybe it won't happen in my lifetime, but I wouldn't be surprised if you end up with a Chinese prime minister. I wouldn't be surprised either. I mean, or quite a Chinese prime minister, the way things are going. All I'm saying, until Belizeans understand that this blue and red divide that has consumed us, to the point where we don't even know who we are anymore. You understand? Mm-hmm. Until we understand that this consumption will devour, is devouring this nation. And soon rather than later, we will lose this nation without even a fight. 
we, we, won't even, we won't even know when it happened. You were in the Esquivel administration. What kind of policies, I mean, what, what, I mean, with this economic citizenship that came, I think, under in 1984 when he came in, that was when it became really popular. That, I think it was both, governments, both governments flirted with that nonsense, this economic citizenship thing. Well, that, I know it was introduced by Esquivel administration, though. Yes. But the question I'm asking you is, you were part of those part of those, those decision making there. Were, were you vocal against these things? Or what was your position on, on, on saying or giving unequivocal citizenship to, 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 to anybody like say Chinese or anybody at the expense of Belizeans? Hubert, let me boy I tell you I will let, let me answer that this way. And I want you I want Belizeans to listen to what I will share with you. And I don't say this to put down in any way the then Prime Minister, at that time, my party leader. But it's just the truth. It's just the truth. And, and I, I, I will introduce it because I think it's the best way I can, ex I can answer the question you just so rightly asked me. Okay? Hubert, I was the Minister of Tourism. I had never... And I, this is just honest truth. I, I can't apologize because it's just the truth. I never, I had never been to the southern keys in the country that I live in all my life. Never been to Rangwana, Sapadilla, Line. He goes, never been. This particular Easter, this particular Easter, while I was Minister of Tourism, I went to Placencia to spend the Easter down there with families and really of the late Sonia Fox. He has two sisters living down there mm -hmm. and we went down there to spend Easter. And whilst down there we took a day trip down to the Southern Keys. Mm -hmm. We went to Lion Key, we went to Hunting Key, and we went to uh, it's, it's Rangoana Key. I guess. And Hunt, yeah, those ones that, that are anyway, down yeah. south. Yes. They're, close, they're close to each. each, each they're about... Uh, 25 miles, I think, southeast of PG, more or less. I, I know, but, but Lime Key, but you can see Lime Key from Hunting Key. I mean, they're really close. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Let me tell you, those, I was, man, I was speechless when I saw the beauty. I mean, I've been to Key Kaka, San Pedro, Key Chapel, English Key, um, Abbas Key. Let me tell you, those keys can't begin to compare to the skis in the south, to a hunting key. Hunting key reminded me of Barbados for some reason. I don't know. I don't know why. Lion key was a jewel that fell straight from heaven, in, in, in my opinion. When I got down there, I was in total shock because the Guatemalans, let's put it this way, there was not a space to even put a Belizean foot on those keys because the Guatemalans had taken them over. They had set up what I call tent, tent hotels. Hmm. Tent covered every square foot of the island except for the beach. And you had the big signs, Escursion de this and this, uh, Escursion or Hotel de this and that. I mean, banners and, and you know, all the different tour operators. I mean, this was the most lucrative spot in Belize that history. You hear what I'm telling you? Mm -hmm. The boats, that were out there with some of the most majestic yachts I had ever seen in my life. What I am here to tell you is that when, when the little boat that we were in came to the shore on Lion Key, we first stopped on Lion Key. 
my brother, do you know how it felt when it was a Guatemalan tour operator who welcomed the Minister of Tourism <laughs> in Belize onto Lion King? That couldn't have been. Man, you have no idea. And when I looked north to south, east to west, top to bottom, all around me, I did not see one single Belizean on these islands. It was all Guatemalan. And I have nothing against the Guatemalan people. Don't get me wrong. But I, man, I had never felt so emasculated in my life. My God, I thought, what is happening here? It's like I don't even belong in my own country. They have taken over these. There was not a Belizean in sight during the Easter holidays on the most beautiful part of the country that I've ever seen in my life. It's gotten worse. I am here to tell you it's gotten worse. Well, let me tell you something. I am the type of person, I won't let things rest. My brother, from I, my whole Easter got destroyed. That, it, it, it was a holy Saturday. Mm-hmm. It was on the holy Saturday. So I messed up the whole, the whole... My whole Easter style, because... I the out there now, the tripaid diplomatic and the pulpit, every ounce of of, 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 of of civility that I could have held on to to not act ignorant and act You try to control your anger because I know you were very upset when I, you saw that. Yeah, I mean, I, it's like I did not belong. I was the outsider. I was the intruder. I was the visitor. I had come home to Guatemala. You were foreign in your own country. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. So let me tell you something. I could not wait for the Tuesday. So you have Holy Saturday, mm-hmm. you have Easter Sunday, you have Easter Monday. We go back to work the Tuesday. And that Tuesday was going to be a cabinet Tuesday. Well, make I tell you, I sit down and I write a whole damn report about what I experienced, the whole landscape of what I saw, and how much of an affront it was to me. As a Belizean, first and forget minister right now, but as a Belizean first, and then secondly, just so happened that I was wearing the hat as the minister of tourism, and I was being greeted and escorted on my own turf by the foreigner who had taken over my property. Mm-hmm. You understand? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I go to cabinet now excited. I go to cabinet full of fury because. These guys have a year already going down here, and we have a put one stop to this. Da, da, da. I mean, I, I got it now thinking, well, I did, I can't know. There's a saying, when I tell the horse white, because I got the hair in my hand. Mm-hmm. That's the whole I felt when I went to cabinet that day. I could not wait to get one chance to open my mouth, and I went off, just like I'm going off right now, my brother. I, I don't enjoy telling you what was the result that I met from the Prime Minister, the Right Honorable Manuel Esquivel. You know what the Prime Minister said to me after I went off on sharing my experience? Derek, your problem is you are too emotional. (laughs) He said that. Let me repeat it. Derek, you know what your problem is? You are too emotional. In other words, Hubert, what I'm here to tell you is that what I thought in my emotional state, which I make no apologies about, 
I make no apologies about being emotional about my country. You hear what I'm telling you? I make no apologies. And I still, at 54 years old, 20 other years later, I am still, in fact, I'm more emotional now because I, I, I think I have more, more know-how under my belt. Had I had it back then, I would have dealt with it maybe differently. You understand? Mm-hmm. But basically, I was shut down. I, I was just literally silenced. Basically saying, there's no grounds for your emotion. I, I, I like, there's nothing out of place with this. This is just how it is. And, 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 and like, deal with it. Yeah, I, my brother, I felt like somebody had cut my juggler. You know what I'm telling you? Yeah. I felt everything just drained out of me. Well, I was and doing I thought, that era this year. Very, um, uh, no, it was last March, I believe. Um, the same era there, and I could t- I'm here to tell you, brother, it's gotten worse. Well, I don't know a, who owned those keys, a, in all honesty. But it, there's no way you could say it belongs to Belize. <laughs> you, you could say it belongs to Guatemala because they come and go at will. You name, I mean, no customs, nothing. It's like a virtually free-for-all. Don't in that area there. I'm telling you. And you it, see, it, 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 I'm talking from my experience that I saw it with my own eyes. And you see, Hubert, I don't know where they, they jump all over the place, but I, I, I believe that God will lead this thing to cover all these problems. Although we know they do a whole justice, a lot of justice because of time. But, but you see, until Belizeans all over the world can understand that we the talk about our compromise, we the talk about our ICJ. We the talk about our referendum where it looked like we are never get. We the talk about our maritime areas bill which for which I was expelled from the UDP, for which they then joined with the PUP to bankrupt me, just to silence me because I am too emotional. You understand? But Belizeans not they understand that we are caught up in all these trappings that they are trapping us in. But guess what? The Guatemalans then don't detect the things are we already. Do you understand? So we, it's, it's the case of the chicken and, and the egg. We might think we the wait for the egg. But the chicken done the scratch for a long, long, long time. Do you understand? So Harry, I know you might say that we're all over the place, but see, look, these are all relevant topics that are on the social media. I'm trying to tell you. You know, what? I know, I mean, look, these conversations that we're having, I know there's a blueprint, but we have to go because, look, what you're talking about, that Guatemala and a compromise thing, that's, those are, you know, those are relevant issues to, to, yeah. to, to what a lot of Belizeans who live in the diaspora, who are. Well, we, the talk, we, 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 we right now still the try, we, there's still, in my opinion, there's still the hoodwinkery. There's still the hoodwinkery with our damn adjacency zone. Um, all these, all these distractions, I call them distractions, to, to, to lure us into a coma, to, to, to lure us into a state of thinking, well, guess what? There's a process out there. So you were expelled from the UDP for your opposition, uh, for the opposition to the Martin Eras Act. Back in 19, I'm, I think I want to say 1990, around that time there. When that, when that I'm sorry. What, no, I said, what, you were expelled. You were expelled from the yes, UDP yes, because yes. of your opposition to the MMA, yes. MAA. Who, yes, were, who was. was with you at the time when you, who were the other principals involved? Um, let me tell you exactly what happened. They, they called a meeting at Bird's Eye. 
where the party leader then, we were in opposition, so he was not prime minister, mm-hmm. but the Cupids um, had made a comment on the Creme radio show a Sunday. I will never forget it. He made a comment on the same issue of the Maritime Areas Bill, people are calling in, blah, 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 and said something to the effect that Esquivel, he, he, didn't, call, he didn't call the name, he just said they. The inference clearly was to Dean Barrow and Manuel Esquivel at the time. But he's a skilled attorney, so he never called the name, mm-hmm. but he simply said something to the effect that they are laughing all the way to the back in relation to the participation of Manuel Esquivel and Dean Barrow in the whole maritime era. What, role, what was the central role of Dean Barrow in, that, in this maritime era, Zach Bill? I'm sorry? What was his central role? Well, I mean, how did this get started? I mean, talk to us about that. What, what was his role? Because then he was a foreign minister, correct, when this yes. thing came down. So what was his... Okay, let me... People believe that there... I think that the general perception out there is that the Maritime Areas Bill was birthed by the PUPs. People get because they don't know the truth. And we had lost the elections, so we were in opposition in 1991 or 90. Oh, I don't remember the year. It was, 19, it was 1991, 92. That that general right time. there, yeah, mm-hmm. because I was expelled. I was ex- I, I was expelled and later bankrupt in 1992. We can get to uh, that, but let's focus yeah, on this. So, so, so people feel that it was a product of the PUP that birthed the Martin Years Bill. But I'm here to tell. I'm here to disabuse everybody of that of that truth. It, that's not true. I, at the time when the Maritime Areas Bill surfaced, when I was expelled and bankrupt, I myself did not know that it wasn't, I too felt that it was a product of the PUP. But I later found out on my sick bed in Miami, I was recovering uh, all these surgeries. I had had sleep apnea surgery mm-hmm. in Miami. They had taken out everything out of my throat because I had this, this, this I have this sleep apnea apnea condition. Mm-hmm. When I was visited, I was visited by a former permanent secretary for, because I have not, this has taken me off guard, I, I have not had the opportunity to speak to this person to get their permission to call their no, name, you have to call pu- name publicly. So I can't call the name publicly. Mm-hmm. But just know that I was visited by a permanent, a former permanent secretary. And this person said to me, they said, Derek, I have wanted to talk to you for some time now, but I just never got around to, to, to talking to, 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 to you. But I've, I've wanted, it's been, on my, it's been a burden on me to explain to you why the UDP had to expel you and why they collaborated with the PUP and the Michael Ashcroft to, to bankrupt you because you... They, they couldn't allow you to stand in the way of something that they had done. And I asked the person, how do you mean what they had done? And this person told me that they were present at a meeting where Belize, it wasn't the PUP, this was under the UDP government. From 84 to 89. Mm-hmm. Right, between the 84 89 government, mm-hmm. where it was the UDP who offered yeah, yeah, but I tell you, I want, it, I want people to understand this. It wasn't negotiated. It wasn't out of no... Uh, so unilaterally, unilaterally. It was simply 
it was simply offered. The, 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 what gave birth to the Maritime Areas Bill was where was simply that Belize at the time simply said to Guatemala, Guatemala never made ask we nothing. Mm-hmm. Belize simply offered to Guatemala. Guess what? We will delimit our seas by passing the Maritime Areas Bill, which all countries do to set about. So who was spearheading that? The who was spearheading that? It was the foreign minister. Dean Barrow. At the time, yes. Dean Barrow. Okay. Yes. He was spearheading that. So, so Belize offered to Guatemala that we will delineate our territorial seas. But to, 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 to show you goodwill, to, to, to demonstrate how we want to solve this thing with you, Belize said to Guatemala, we will choose not to claim our territorial seas in the south up to the median line. We will simply claim it to three miles off the coast in the south, and we will give to you the distance from the three-mile limit to the median line, which by right we can claim, but we, out of good faith to you, will not claim it. We will give it to you. So and you will have that. Talking about far within those things, and so but so we can't claim it because it's far within that that things even. So we anyway, go ahead, brother. Yeah. So so the person said to me, they were in shock when in this meeting, when the Guatemalans never been asked for nothing, Belize comes up with this golden gift on a platter and give it, offer it. To the Guatemalans, no, my brother. If you would give me peace of line, <laughs> you'd give me anything, anything you want to give me. I would be a fool not to take it. So the Guatemalans took it. The Guatemalans took it. And if the truth be told, apparently, according to this source, when the information or what was done was shared with the Prime Minister that night, long distance call from Honduras where the meeting was taking place to Belize I what I understand from this source is that the Prime Minister was livid so wait wait wait, wait. stop right there for a second you're telling me that the Foreign Minister then at the time Dean Oliver Barrow made a unilateral decision to offer this thing to Guatemala without his his, his past the Prime Minister knowing about it without any permission any kind of the, any kind of uh, conversation between the two let me repeat this source tells me that later that night, when what was done was communicated to the Prime Minister by telephone from Honduras, the Prime Minister was livid, and that there ensued quite a heated debate over the phone between the two individuals. Mm-hmm. But by the end of the night, obviously, there was a concession, and obviously the Prime Minister removed or had moved away from his livid position opposing what was done to accepting and going along. I will never know what the conditions were to his accepting it um, because the person did not. Well, you did say that BQP, BQP allegedly said they're laughing all the way to the mug. So, yeah. Yeah, but that, what you take that for it, you know. yeah, but that that came 
that came long after all of this, of course, you know, years and years after when the bill would now surface for the first time after we knew. Oh, okay, that wasn't in the okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, that, that mm-hmm. came when the thing came out, when the whole Martha Mirrors bill was born and was in prison house and we had this expulsion from the party and all of that. I, I, I got into that to explain to you that who was expelled? I was expelled. Hubert Ellington was expelled. BQ Pitts was expelled. Sam Raven walked out in protest. And Philip Golson walked out in trouble. Okay, so this is after the, okay, take me back here now. After the call was made, okay, and then, so no, no, the, the foreign minister, Mr. Barr, come back to Belize now, correct? Yes. Well, That's we, when the sharing with no, the cabinet, no, which you were no, a part no, no, of. No, 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 That happened, that was signed, sealed, in, in secret. We never knew anything. The cabinet didn't know anything about it. That was a secret meeting. Okay, all right. Mm-hmm. And, and, and even after the return, the, 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 the term finished. The term finished, and we still didn't know about that event that took place. We oh, never so, knew. Oh, you never okay. knew. Okay. No, the first time, the first time we are going to know is after we lose the elections in 79. Oh, 89. And then 89. I think it's in, 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 in eighty nine, sorry, and then in nineteen ninety one, the first it. time, mm-hmm. the first time, as a, a, a party, as elected members of the house, because the election was closed, it was fifteen thirteen, so there was thirteen of us in the house in opposition. Um, the prime, the party leader. Let okay, the bill is going to be introduced the Friday into the National Assembly by, by the PUP government because they are the government now, okay? So this Maritime Areas Bill now is going to be introduced into the National Assembly the Friday. The party leader calls a meeting that Monday night, same old headquarters on King Street by, by Playboy Club. Right, we all gather up there and for the first time now ever Will we, as the loyal opposition, but then cabinet members back in the first term, mm-hmm. is the first time we are ever going to hear the first word about something called the Maritime Areas Bill. The party leader said to us like this, the reason I've called you all here is because there's a house meeting on Friday and the PUPs will be introducing a bill called the Maritime Areas Bill, which will set out to where we, the contributors, will not be claiming the territorial seas to the median line in the south. The country will only be claiming the three miles of territorial seas and will be giving to Guatemala the, the seas beyond the three-mile limit to the median line, which should really be ours. But, but we are giving it to them through this Maritime Areas Bill. And, and I, the party leader, have called you all here tonight to tell you that I want each and every one of you to support this bill. Well, let me tell you something. The same emotional one that he told years ago that my problem is that I'm too emotional over the, the, the Rangwana Sapedilian Lime key experience that I had. Well, that same emotional one didn't lose his emotion. His emotions were still intact. And I was the first horse out of the starting gate that night. And these were my words with respect to the party leader. I said, Mr. Esquivel, I never 
thought I would live to see the day when the United Democratic Party, which has its origins the party out, of of the, out of the NIP, I never thought I would live to see the day when I would hear the UDP telling me that they want me to support a PUP bill, because at the time now, I, have, we still, I still think it's a bill that, was, that, that the origins of this bill is from the PUP. I told him, I never thought I'd live to see this day, and sir, with the greatest of respect to you, I want to be the first one to go on record here tonight to tell you, I will not support any such bill. I, my philosophy that I joined this party with, sir, was in any settlement with Guatemala, there must not be a session of a grain of sand or a drop of water. Now, you are telling me about territorial seas that goes beyond the three-mile limit to the median line, areas that it's... You can go up to 12 miles, I think, under international law, the sea yeah. convention, up to 12 miles, and then another 300 miles for your EE. So I guess we delimit yeah. ours in the sort where the waters overlap to three exactly. miles, and we didn't go all the way to the median line for 12. So I think that's exactly. essentially what, what we are conceding. But, but Hubert, these are the waters that had long at that time been speculated was rich in oil. Mm-hmm. You know, so this, this was yeah. more than just the sovereignty being raped. Yeah, there's a subplot there, yes. It, mm-hmm. it's, it's not just, it wasn't just a raping of, of the sovereignty of the country, in my view, but it's giving up potentially rich oil seas. <laughs> if, 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 our, if our economic fortune lies anywhere right now outside of tourism, it has to be with the oil. And that's a whole other issue where I think the oil exploits in this country has gone wrong from day one. But that's a whole other debate for another time. So I was the one that said, I'm sorry, I will not support it. I will not support it. And one by one, everybody went around the room, and I stood there in shock as I heard folks say, well, I not feel too good about it, party leader, but if this is the way you want, we do well, I want to do what you say. And, and around the room that's what you were hearing and I was sitting there in disbelief so people were but, so who were the, who were saying that they wanted to support okay. it give me the well, principles no, alright well let me tell you that, now that is one journey up memory lane that I, I will not risk I will not risk trying to recollect because I know I don't have it okay my but, memory. to the best of your recollection to the best of your recollection so I don't want to run afoul of that but, okay. but what I want to tell you though which I can clearly clearly recall the person who waited to speak last, the person who waited to speak last, I tell you, that man, uh, if only more of us had listened to him or, or, or mentored him, uh, and so with all his blindness and his incapacity was Mr. Fools. That man waited. He never said a word. He never said a word. And he waited for the last person to speak. And I remember his words, Mr. Esquivel, this is a sad day for me. And long and short of what he had to say was, he too would not support the Maritime Areas Bill. And he never moved from that initial position that he gave that night, just like I did. Never moved, but, but just, to show you, just to show you how vicious and how calculating, it, the calculating is the word these people were. Mr. Gosen, right up until the meeting at Birds Island, because it, it, it was a gauntlet that Mr. Esquivel laid down after the comment that the Cupid's made on Radio Witch, 
in all honesty, because I'm a person, I, I believe in respect. I, I, I firmly believe in respect. I think we can achieve all things if we respect one another. And I did not like the comment made on public radio that, that, BQ, that BQ made. Very laughing all the way to the Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it, it, that had serious implications. I don't know why he said it. I don't know what grounds he said it on. But it, that was a seat. So I could understand the party leader taking personal offense. Because if I were in I probably would have taken the same offense. Mm-hmm. I don't think I would have gone as far as saying, if, if, if you don't want me to be leader still of this party, then you have to expel them. And, and, and what did he do, which I thought was wrong? I said to his face in the meeting, with respect, Mr. Escobar, I will not support it. I will not support it. But I certainly didn't make any comment publicly or privately about him laughing all the way to any bank. So to, to include me, and I can only speak for me, to include, I don't remember now what Hubert said or what Hubert didn't say, but to include me in, in his sweep of, if they are not expelled from the party, I will resign as the party leader. I thought went too far, because how can you expel... The only crime I had committed at that point, or, or, or ever, is I said I won't support the bill. But I never get for no public reader or any other place with any disrespect to say, oh, the man, they laugh all the way to the bank. Or the I, I didn't say any of that. So to include me, in that sweep for expulsion or else he will resign, I thought it was unfair to me. Mm-hmm. And I thought it, is still, it was still unfair to me. But long story short, he, he put that threat out to the national executive, and guess what? He almost had to resign, you know, because the vote was so dark. So you could have got a vote, a no confidence vote then? Because he only won the vote by two votes. Wow. He, only, he almost had to step down. And I, I feel like I know who changed their position at the very last minute and, and voted to expel us. Or else Mr. Esquivel would have had to step up if he would have honored his, his threat. Mm-hmm. He would have had to step up because he would have, he would have lost that vote. Mm-hmm. So when he, lo- when he won the vote, then automatically our expulsion followed. That right there at, 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 at personality. And so it was declared that we were expelled. So that was you, Hubert. It was me, Hubert, BQ Pitts. We were expelled. Now, kicked out, banished. But understand, understand the strategy here, though. Understand the political strategy here. Mr. Golson and I took the same position the same night. We won't support the bill. Mr. Golson, like I, never said anything about laughing all the way to the back. Mr. Golson never called the radio to disrespect Mr. Esquivel in any way. But I am expelled, but Mr. Golson is left in the party. Mr. Golson's neck never appeared on the chopping block. Interesting. Yeah, but you see, they knew while they felt they could ride the public fallout over me, they knew that they wouldn't ride the public fallout if they dared to have expelled Mr. Golson. Yeah. So they left Mr. Golson yeah. alone. They left, he remained, at that, after that vote at Brazil that day, he still remained a member of the UDP party. He was never expelled. What Mr. Golson did after he, when they expelled us and we had to walk off Brazil, that is when Sam Rayban walked off along with us. That is when Mr. Golson got up and walked off Brazil along with us. 
and we all walked to Mr. Golson's house, which was on Chapel Lane behind Wesley Church. Mm-hmm. And that is when Mr. Golson said, well, guys, you notice they didn't expel me. He said, but I am going to save them the headache. I will resign. I will resign from the party. And if you guys, he said, because we cannot, we cannot leave this to go like this. He said, we have got to fight this maritime areas bill thing because this is bad for Belize. And that's when Mr. Wilson said, so if you guys are willing, I, give me 24 hours, I, I'll, I'll sleep on it, I'll think on it, and I will come up with an action plan. And that's when we met the day after at his same house, and that's when he introduced the idea of forming neighbor, National Alliance for Belizean Rights, and asked, would we be willing to join him with the sole purpose to fight the maritime areas bit? And we said yes. That was the beginning of neighbor. And it is, it is as neighbor progressed. Now, keep in mind, Mr. Gosen was already blind, was already really incapacitated in many, many ways. The man was going... He was feeling health. He was feeling health. Right, right. Um, so I can only assume that they... They figured, well, guess what? We will not worry about Philip because Philip will not have the strength. But who, who, that a problem there, that a lead, 28 year old one, 29, 30, whatever I was at that time, that, that, that firebrand, we want to get up on 29, time. because if you mean, you get elected at 24, so you'll be 29, 30, yeah, then, more or less. But yeah. then remember, this was. This was not eighty nine this was not eighty nine though, this was already ninety one or thirty. So you were like what, thirty one, thirty two then? Somewhere somewhere in there. I have to come and do the thing. So then that is when the calculation and the strategic plan started to plot with the Attorney General at that time, who was Glenn Godfrey, and the Belize Bank who the law firm of Barrow and Williams represented. And that's when they started this bankruptcy proceeding against me. You know, I want Belizeans to understand, and I won't have the time. Derek, we don't, in all fairness, you know, that's why we have to go to part three, man, because yeah. not yet, but I'm just saying we run out of time. But I want you to, because uh, before you get into that, that, that bankruptcy thing, because I don't want a whole new animal out together right there. You know? yeah. I know you have a lot of details on that, but you know, coming back to the, to, 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 to the, the expulsion, um, well, I, I, I want to say, okay, I know that you, 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 got, you, know, you guys got kicked out and Mr. Wilson found the neighbor, but that was during the time also when uh, Mr. Price made the decision to uh, call our elections in 1993. So, oh, yes, yes, yes. So, so, but then neighbor reconciled. Let's with, get, I'm glad. Hubert, my brother, you're on the ball. Thank you, thank you, thank you for stimulating because I, I, had, I had forgotten about that component. You're so correct. So let's advance rapidly to the snap elections that are called. So neighbors still roaring and raging out there against the Maritime Areas Bill. Uh, I think the bill had already been passed in the House by that time anyway. Yes, it had been passed. Um, I was already bankrupt. I had already lost my seat in the House. I had to vacate my seat in the House. Um, um, what's his name? Espat, Jorge Espat had defeated Howell Longsworth, who was the UDP's replacement for me in Freetown. Mm-hmm. And so Jorge is now in the House. Snap elections. They come to Mr. Golson and beg him to let Neighbor join in coalition with the UDP to run against the PUP in the snap elections. We so because they had a by-election, right? Because you had already lost your seat right, a by-election. Right. All of that had already happened. Okay. I had already been kicked mm. out of the house. I had already 
they had already had the by-elections. Um, Espat had beaten how long he was now in the house. Anyway, so they come to Mr. Goulson wanting to form this, this, this alliance and to run as a coalition party against the PUP. I, as I, along with others, advised Mr. Goulson, Mr. Goulson, the promise to Mr. Goulson was, if you, if you join us and run on this coalition ticket with us, if we win, we will repeal the Maritime Areas Bill. And you could participate. You were not a ticket because you were already banished, right? Correct. Yes, I couldn't. I couldn't run. But couldn't. Hubert, but Hubert Elrington, Elrington ran. Mm-hmm. Hubert had lost his seat in '89, mm-hmm. so he 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 wasn't reelected. But in the 1993 um, uh, elections, he was running again, and he ran again and won. And as you know, the party won mm-hmm. in '93. But here again, here again, the greatest disrespect was paid to Mr. Goulson, and I warned Mr. Goulson, they are, n- they are lying to you. They know they need you. They need the icon Philip Goulson to get back on their ticket to give them a chance to win this snap election, Mr. Goulson. But I am telling you, Mr. Goulson, they will not repeal that bill. I did not have the answers then, but I, I had come to believe that this thing was bigger than all of us with these guys, and they were not going to honor the commitment, Mr. Goulson. Don't do it. Run independent. Win as an independent, and then after you win, if, you your, win, mm-hmm. if your win will make them form the government, then you make your demands and if they don't meet the demands, then you just don't join them in coalition. But if you do it now, Mr. Goulson, they are not going to repeal that bill if you guys win. I but Mr. Goulson will always, and I respected his, I respected his decision, he will always do what he thinks. At the end of the day, given all the odds, is the, in, in the best. I, strategically, I didn't think it was He should have run independent because he would have won. Mm-hmm. He has been the only one to win his seat when everybody else loses for years and years and years and years. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So he would have still won, and he would have still had the leverage to form a, a, a coalition government, but he, he, he could have demanded that they do certain things before he gave in to the form. Anyway, but bottom line is, he, he, he went ahead, he ran, they won, as you know, and Mr. Goldson has died and gone. They served for five years or whatever, and I think they call an early election two after that, so it may have been only four and something. But they never even as much as gave the promised lip service to even introduce the bill for heaven's sake, make it look like they may do it, and then just not do it. They didn't even go as far as giving it lip service, Mr. Wilson. The, the term ended. Mr. Wilson is now dead. And Belize still lives with the Maritime Areas Bill on our laws, mm-hmm. where we do not own those seas in the south, beyond mm-hmm. the territorial seas. So I say... Derek, let me I, ask you one quick question before. Yeah. Do you think he would have... Cause I have Very quickly, man, because we have like four minutes. So I want you to kind of like make this your final thing here. Because Derek, we have to have a part three. You know that, right? Yes, man. Sure, sure, sure. You have a problem with that? Or, I mean, no, man, no, no. People no, no, want to no. bring you back and tell them, man, because... <laughs> You do, you're the first one to really call and give a, one honest critique of the United States of the UDP, and not just the UDP, but the system in general, you know? Yeah. yeah. Aside from Assad Schumann, we wrote a book about it. But quickly, yeah. did you think that uh, Mr. Do you think that Mr. 
uh, Philip Wilberforce Golson would have went for the mar- for the uh, for the ICJ. Oh, I have no doubt that he would not support that. I mean, I no, I, I can't speak for him from the grave. Let, let me clarify. I clearly can't speak for him from the grave with any degree of accuracy. But just that I got to know Mr. Golson really well. I think. I remember when you came to, to LA with him one time too. Yeah, you exactly. neighbor thing. As neighbor, as neighbor, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I think, in all honesty, and he told me this many times. He said, "Derek, I'm getting down. I'm getting old. After I'm gone, and, and, and he even said, he said, Derek, even before I go, I will have to pass this mantle over to you. This is as 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 neighbor." He said, "Because you are young, you you've got the will, you've got the vision, you've got." Whatever is wrong with you, time will fix. Maturity will fix. I have no doubt your heart is in the right place. Da, 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 da. So he, he, we, we, we shared some personal things, even about his marital situation with his wife. I mean, he, he really, really confided in me. And, and all I can, the only way I can answer that question to you, but based on what Mr. Golson shared with me, as, is that the answer is he would not. So he would not have supported the, the maritime. All right, good. Very, let's leave it there, because we, we only have like. I know. You know I understand. Okay, we literally okay. So listen, my, my 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 listeners, again, very riveting. You know, I let this brother talk because he has a story to tell. So people say, let I let him talk. I I try not to interrupt him because you know, but I want to you know, but the brother has so much information, and I and I, I you know I I I cannot do him justice with just shows. So I want you guys to know. That God willing, we'll do it again. <laughs> Until yes. you get out, Emmy, drop out of your brother. Yeah. All right, man. Sure. Uh, thanks again for listening, guys. And as I said, I am a no vendetta here. Please understand that I, I have no axe to grind. I am out of the political spree. I embrace all politicians from all sides. I, I know the past is gone. This is this is just historical truth to help you guys to understand what we're really facing and what we're up against in Belize. God bless you guys until next week. Thank you, brother. Do the right thing, everyone. God bless you. All right. Thank you. Bye. Okay, bye-bye.